Hello everybody out there in podcast land. I am back. It's me, Gary Stuckey, back once again for another exciting episode, an interview right here on Anchor.fm. And I've been chatting with a guy you might know. He's been playing drums for many, many years. He's influenced so many people like John Bonham and Neil Peart, so many more. He's got a brand new album out, instrumental. It's really rocking. You need to crank it up whenever you get it. You need to buy it. I've enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to talk about that today and talk about his career. You know, he's played with Rod Stewart and Vanilla Fudge and Jeff Beck and so many people. And this interview wasn't even like an interview. It was more like just chatting with a friend and just being relaxed. Probably the most relaxed interview I've ever done. I think you're going to love it. So here we go. Here's Mr. Carmine apiece. Hello, this is Gary. Hey, Gary. Carmine apiece. How you doing, man? Doing good. You okay today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just uh, sitting. I'm going to be talking to you while I'm driving my car. So. Hey, that'll work. Just not a problem. Be careful out there, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, it's a Maserati, so I'm going to be careful. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. Just, you know, just get kind of, you know, happy and... Oh, yeah. You know, I just, just, I'll just i just be cruising, talking like, yeah. like somebody's in the car with me, you know? There you go. And, hey, and that's cool. I can tell yeah. everybody that I rode around with you in your Maserati. That's good. Yeah, my Maserati <laughs> does 185. Yeah, baby. That's what and I'm talking my, about. I got an accountant's pay for it all. <laughs> <laughs> and probably right? true, right? Um, it is true. It's true. It is true. That's right. Yeah. Hey, well, tell me something, Carmine. You know, I was talking to my dad earlier. I said, I'm, I'm going to talk to Carmine a piece. He said, it's it's apathy. And I said, no, it's a piece. Well, it's 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 both, really. So how did that my, my, well, 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 it started as apathy. How old is your dad? Actually, would you believe he is... He was born December twelfth, nineteen forty six. Isn't that close? Oh my to your, god! Yeah, it's close. Like three three days older than me. That's right. That's right. Wow, that's pretty wild. Cool, huh? So yeah, so in, in his day, it was apathy. It was like Beck Bogart and apathy, you know. Yeah. And uh, and everywhere I went, everybody called me a piece. Right. You know, and I would go, "No, it's not a piece. It's apathy." You know. So finally, when I joined Rod Stewart, you know, Rod said. We gotta say one one way to say your name. You know, you like five different people. You know, right? I said, yeah, I know what you mean. So, because what do most people call you? I said, most people call me a piece. I said, okay. So why don't we do that? Okay. So I went with that, and then I was with Ludwig Drum Company at the time, right? Right. And Ludwig Ludwig said, uh, oh, okay. We said, you can call yourself a piece. We can do an ad. So they did an ad that they ran in all the magazines and all the drum magazines and rock magazines and it was everyone wants a piece of a piece <laughs> that was the ad i like it that's cool. you know and and i have the ad hanging in my studio here at the house awesome you know it's like uh you know a big area picture of my face it was a really cool uh picture that had like shadows you know it was yeah. very moody it was right. really good Oh. And you probably can put, I bet if you put in uh, everyone wants a piece of a piece, come on a piece there, they'll probably come up in, somewhere on Google, you know. Yeah, I had to look it's that up. That's, that's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, so, so anyway, um, so that's how it happened. So then I was good for like from 19, there we go. Boom, yeah. 
<laughs> Crank it up. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got two, I'm a car crazy guy. I've always had cars, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, this is the, I've always wanted a Maserati. So I got the Maserati and then, and just before Tim Bowick passed away, you know, I was thinking about getting a, uh, an F-type Jaguar, you know? Oh man. Nice. And I said, well, you know, I said, because before I bought the Maserati, I, I test drove a brand new Jaguar. It was the same price as the Maserati and the Maserati was three years old. You know, yeah. so I basically got it for half price because it was three years old. It had 6,000 miles on it, you oh, know? Oh, wow. nice. And the Jaguar was brand new. So I said, no, nah, I got to get the Maserati, you know? It's a, it's a Maserati. You, know? <laughs> you can't go wrong with a Maserati, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I said, I'm going to do the Maserati. So I did the Maserati. And uh, uh, there goes the air conditioner. That's too much. And, and so lately, you know, like in January, I said, you know, I really like to get another car because we have a four-car garage. We have three cars in it. I said, I really like to get one more car. You know? Oh, here comes a FedEx guy. <laughs> All right. I got this long driveway. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm still on the driveway. <laughs> We're driving. Wow. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see what he's got here. All right. Go ahead. Hi, dude. What do you got? Uh, uh, I'll put her, yeah, she's in there. She's in there? Yeah, okay. Right. It's my wife. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, so I, I said, yeah, I'm going to just look around for enough types, see how much they are. So I found a 2018 beautiful silver F-type with 15,000 miles on it. Still under warranty and stuff. Right. And I just drove it. It's a four-cylinder four, uh, turbo. Oh, man, man, it's fast. Man. I think, I think it's faster than this thing. Oh you man, know, this thing has 450 horsepower Ferrari engine in it. You know, oh wow! It gets terrible gas miles. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Gonna to, <laughs> I'm gonna, later, I'm gonna have to gas it up. You know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you, you anyway, gotta have fun. So, yeah. so that's yeah, but I, I've had like in my life, I, I, when I was 17, this has nothing to do with the music, but, but that's my other passion. Yeah. You know, when I was 17, uh, I, I was playing all through all my life. You know, playing gigs. I bought a brand new 64 Chevy Supersport. Oh, man. 27 four-speed. And I used to race it all over Brooklyn, you know. <laughs> then I built it. I put cams in it and all kinds of racing stuff on I ruined the warranty. But I bought it. It was a brand new car that I bought, you know. Right. I bought it when I was 17. I paid for it. Wow. Some of my friends who had money, their parents had money. They, they had Corvettes. I said, yeah, but I bought my car. Your yes. dad gave me your car. That's right. I was very proud of the fact that I bought my car. Right. That's a big anyway, difference. and then, you know, then when I made it with the fudge, then I got an XKE, it's 1969 XKE. And then I, I bought from Gene Cornish from the Rascals, this big Jaguar. It looked like a Rolls Royce. Oh, 1500 cool. bucks. And I had it. I had that for 40 years, that car. Oh, man. You know? And wow. then the XKE, I traded in for a Pantera. I had the Pantera for 40 years, and now there's a guy in England has that car, and he's rebuilding it. It's going to be worth like 150 grand when he's done, oh, man. and he's going to call it the Carmine Peace Pantera, and he's going to put it in shows. Oh wow! And I'm and I'm going to write a piece for it, you know, on yeah. everybody that's been in the car, like Rod Stewart, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, oh man! Well, no, not Jimi Hendrix. Rod Stewart, uh, 
know, I don't know, John Emwistle. There's so mm. many people been in that car, you know. Wow. Jeff Beck, wow. you know. So anyway, uh, so he's going to run that show. So that's the Panteras. I sold that forty after forty years, and then then I bought a, a, a 2001 XKR Jaguar. I also had a I also had a 1966 Corvette convertible. Oh man. I, you know, I, I I paid like nothing for that car. I was like, I don't even know what I paid for. You know, maybe twenty grand. Oh yeah. If that, you know, maybe ten grand or, or five grand or eight grand. Nineteen sixty, in sixty six, I bought it in seventy two, so it wasn't that expensive. Right. Um, know that now those are like eighty ninety grand for this car. I imagine. I imagine it's up there. They, these yeah. cars, though, it. it it kind of goes with your your rock and roll lifestyle, right? You have to oh, yeah. kind of go oh, along. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I had the Pantera, me and me and Tim had Panteras in Long Island when we were playing with Jeff Beck. So we, we pulled up to the gig in Philadelphia with two Panteras. We pulled right into the back, you know, right into the with it with the trailers would normally load in right to the stage. Yeah. So you have the grandstands on each side of us. All of a sudden, you hear this, you know, engines, and those engines were really hefty, you know. Right. Two, two of them pulling in, me with Jeff and mine, and Tim with our tour manager, you know, and and the the basses and the drums and everything were there already, and all the, the audience came up and looked down. They said, "What the hell is that?" They saw two <laughs> Panteras with, with PBA getting out of them. You know? <laughs> That's cool. It was really cool. All yeah. this stuff's in my, it's still in my book. Oh, man. My, my stick it book. Uh, yeah, my yeah. life is sex, drums, and rock and roll. That's right. That's that's cool. Yeah. That's that, you know, Anyway. That's cool stuff, though, man. That, um, so, that's, so that's what's going on today. Well, uh, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, when you first realized you wanted to play drums. Did you ever bang around on some pots as a kid, or how did you start yeah, doing did. that? Yeah, yeah, I was lucky. Though. My, my cousin, older cousin, uh he um, played drums, so you know, being Italian, you know, we went over there to visit the families a lot. So every time we went to Joey's house, like us, Joey's house, I said, "Oh yeah, let's go." And I get on his drums and start banging them. Then I go home and start banging on pots and pans. And then my parents, you know, when I was like ten, eight, nine, ten, would get me these toy drum sets for Christmas, and I'd play them for a week and break them. <laughs> you know, it's back to the pots and pans. <laughs> The pots and, and pans. I was like, let's go, let's go back to Joey's house. Yeah, right. you know? it lasts longer though. The pots and pans. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then when I was about, I don't know, eleven, you know, they, they said, well, maybe we should get them a, a set of drums, that a real drum. So we we went to the first Sam Ash store, and as your father, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're uh, Catholic or anything like that, but you weren't. So we celebrated Christmas, yeah. and my birthday was ten days before. So it was always I could always get a cool <laughs> gift where they added you know, my birthday and Christmas together. So they did that this one year, and they bought me a set of drums for fifty bucks. And uh, you know, back then, you know, fifty bucks was a lot of money. Yeah, we had we lived in a one bedroom apartment. There were six of us in a one bedroom apartment. You know, so. So everybody, you know, you know, I slept in the bed, double bed with my brother, and my uh, my sister slept in a folding bed next to us. My brother Vinny slept in the living room in the crib. My parents had a fold out, uh, you know, fold out, uh, uh, what they call a high rise sofa. Oh yeah. Bed, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, like a futon. Yeah, yeah. We all we all slept in there. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, and then we we all became successful you know, at some point. Right. And we all made money and had bought houses and real estate and, and cool cars, and we all had a good life. And my parents ended up having a good life. That's great. Until they passed away, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's what happens. I got the first set of drums, and I brought it downstairs in the cellar. In Brooklyn, there weren't finished basements. They were called cellars because they had stone on the side. It was looked like the, the cellars were carved out of stone because all of Brooklyn must be made of stone, you know, right. rock. And uh, and my grandfather was a shoemaker, so we lived in the three-family house. In that, you know, we lived in that that apartment I just described to you. It was my grandparents' house, so my cousins lived in the front. That four people in a in a one bedroom. We had six in one bedroom. My grandparents lived downstairs, and they had they had more rooms. They had uh, two bedrooms down there, you know. So then the cellar was downstairs. So downstairs there were bins. My grandfather made wine. Oh, cool. He was also a shoemaker. He had a little shoemaker area there. So where I put the drums was right near the shoemaker thing. So when I'd be down there playing, he'd be down there banging on shoes, <laughs> and I'd have I'd have to ask him to bang in this tempos because he was messing me up. <laughs> You know, and that's how I learned, you know, yeah. and then I would listen to records and a little portable record player next to me and listen to Gene Cooper and Buddy Rich. And, yeah. and then I then I started playing in a band in like 1961. You know, I was like 15 years old, mm-hmm. 14, 15. And I, I saw this other guy playing at a battle of the bands. And this guy took a solo. I said, wow. You're really good. How'd you learn that? He said, well, I have a teacher. So I got his number. Five bucks a lesson. I went to see this guy every week. Cool. And I improved so much that I bypassed that other guy that gave me the number. You know? <laughs> and then I, I got really good. And then I started playing all through my teens. As I said, and I played enough to, to uh, you know, to buy a car and all that. Right. And then... And I got lucky and made it with Vanilla Fudge, you know. And when you were with uh, Vanilla Fudge, I know you had the, the hit song, you know, You Keep Me Hanging On. How, how did y'all decide to slow that song down and make it Well, there, there, there was a fad going on in New York City. Uh, and it, it came from the Rascals. You know, they used to do some cover songs, a little different than the cover song. And then the Vagrants hit, hit on that, and they, they, they started doing what they called production numbers. Right? right. The production numbers were slowed down versions of songs, like they used to do. Uh, they they used to do uh, "Satisfaction" by the Stones, you know. Right. And then they just slowed down song respect. We did a different approach because we had really great players and great voices. Yeah. So we did a lot of R&B songs that we matched music to the emotion right. of the lyrics. Right. Like, like, set me free, why don't you, babe? You know, it was a really hurting lyric, you know? Right. But when the Supremes did it, like, set me free, why don't you, babe? You know, like a party. Right. Like a happy song. So we, right. we made it, we, we, we gelled the lyrics and the music so it became one. We did the same with People Get Ready. We made it like a gospel tune. Right. You know? We did the same with Eleanor Rigby. It was very eerie, so we made it sound eerie. You know, then we did uh, Season of the Witch like that, too. You know? right. Take it for a little while. We did that as well. And 
in all the arrangements we did, we tried to marry the music to the uh, to the lyric. You know, that's how we did. Like we just released a new song, "Stop in the Name of Love," that has Tim Bogart on it. Too. Oh, oh wow! And it sounds very much like "Hanging On." It has the same vibe. We mix, you know, we we mixed up the emotion with the music, and uh, and with. Quite honestly, we're the only band from 1967 that released a new track with new music with all original members. Oh, that's great. Yeah, nobody and, else and can say yeah. yeah, and then unfortunately in January, the past, uh, Tim Boca passed away. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's, that's, yeah. that's rough, that's I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. But this song is like a tribute to Chet. That's a good way to tribute somebody to have them with all the guys after all these yep. years still yeah that's that's awesome yeah. yeah we even did like you know like for itunes side a's song side b if you buy side b it's a tribute to tim with me mark and Vinny from the Fud, talking about tim and my girlfriend who used to be the radio chick in new york you know she's a very well-known talk show host like howard stern okay wow she put together like an audio uh, documentary, seven minutes long, with us talking with music and everything about Tim. And that's the real truth. And then the video on, on YouTube, is it, it ends with a, a great shot of Tim being real aggressive with his bass. And, uh, and you know, it says, uh, dedicated to a, a bandmate and, and best friend. Kind of thing. And the day he was born and the day he died. Wow. That's nice. So, yeah. And, and the, then the other the other album that I was really calling you about is yeah. you know, when I moved down to Florida, I started a studio down here. Because, you know, I had a guest house. So I walked through the garage into the guest house. I got the drum set up. I got a recording computer and all the programs. And I learned how to work it. And I learned a lot how to work it through doing that album with Fernando Perdomo, the other member of a little project. You know, right. so, uh, he was a guy that was like uh, most people ask me, "How would you guys get it going?" He he was asked by um, well, let's put it this way: he has he wanted to ask me, okay, for a. Uh, a chance to play a couple of tracks on his album. And before that, he was working with Tom Dow, the producer, uh, and just before Tom died a few years ago. And then he you know, went about his own business, and then he wanted me to do this. So he asked Tom's wife and Tom's daughter if they knew how to get a hold of me, and they did. So his daughter called me and told me about him, said he would like me to play on it. Can, can I talk to him? So I said, sure. So, he called me, I talked to him, and we worked out. I said, well, look, I got this song, which ended up being a song called Thunder on the album that I wrote on the iPad. I said, why don't I send it to you? You could Let me hear you, you know, do your thing on it and send it back to me. And if, if I like it, I'll put the drums on it. Right. So he sent it back, and I said, wow, this kid's really good. So I put the drums on it. And he sent me something he did. I put the drums on it. And we kept going back and forth. And now we have 18 songs recorded, and we said, well, let's pick 12 of them. I'll talk to Cleopatra, and we'll try and get a, a deal with them. 
and we can release this instrumental album, you know, which is a little different than a lot of the instrumental albums around because this is more of a rock yeah. based right. instrumental album, not jazz rock. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been listening to it. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds it it sounds like you should be listening to it going down the road. That's that's the kind of energy exactly. it has. Energy, yeah. like it says. Yeah. Or it could be like a, in, a, in a movie, like a in a driving movie. You know, if somebody's driving real fast. That's it. You know, something like that. But I was listening to it in in this car. This car still has a CD player. Awesome. That's, Yesterday I, I was like driving. Yeah, because I do. Uh, I do like five days on each car, you know, to okay. keep them both running. The other one don't have a CD player, the Jaguar. This has a CD player, so I, I actually started playing it in the car, and I said, oh, this sounds pretty good. This, I said, this works really good driving the car, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's got that like sound. Said. Yeah. yeah, it does. And then you go, and, like, and, fast. And it's progressive, and, it, and, and he plays great guitar, and he plays bass, and he plays keyboard, you know? And this is the first record that... I got a, a credit. I, I had a laugh when I saw the credits. It said engineered by Fernando Podomo and Carmine de Pisa. I said, that's funny. <laughs> well, that's good. Okay, so it, you know, I was blown away at the talent of this guy. You know? And, uh, and I, as we went on, I, I saw more and more talent. And, and he produces and you know, he's done a lot of stuff. And he's in that thing called Echo in the Canyons on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, it's like a really, a really good guy, too. Never had an argument about music. Oh, really? You know? Right. No. I, like he would say, well, I really think we should do that. I go, yeah, maybe you're right. Or if I say, let's let's do this, let's let's make this eight bars instead of 12 bars. Say, okay. <laughs> there was no, <laughs> like, no argument. You know, he, he trusts my judgment, I trust his judgment. Well, the drums sound really, I mean, you, they really stand out. You can tell that, you know, it's kind of like a, a drum instrumental album. I mean, it's like, even though yeah. the guitars are there, you know, it's like the drums are powerful. I mean, you must. Yeah, well, you that's, must, always, yeah. That's, that's, that's always been my thing. You know, that's I mean, awesome. you listen, listen to Hot Legs with Rod Stewart, you know. I mean, the drums are right up, they're as loud as his vocal, you know. And, uh, you know, BBA with Beck and. Over, right. you know, all, all, all the records, you keep me hanging on, the drums are loud. You know, that's it's always been my thing. You know, the drums, it's like R&B. Right. The drums are the loudest thing on an R&B mix, that's you know? On, on the old R&B. I don't know about R&B yeah. today. Right, right. You know, today, it's just a drum machine anyway. That's right. But, you know, like all that stuff of Aretha Franklin and you know, Wilson Pickett, all the greats, James Brown. Yeah. You know, the drums are always the loudest thing. It's the bass drum, usually the loudest thing. That's right. And, you know, Led Zeppelin did that with their mixes. You know, that, that's why John Bonham is such a well-known, you know, you know, great drummer. He's a great drummer, but he's winning all the polls ever because the drums are always so loud in Led Zeppelin. Right. They were like the main thing, and everything else sat around the drums. Well, he credits you, know? you He credits you as, or he credited you as uh, yeah, an influence. Yeah, as an, inf as an influence, is yeah. That, and I... You know? Yeah, and we, we took him on the first tour, and I got him the bass from Ludwig. I got him the same kit I got. I had the kit, and he looked at my kit and said, wow, dude. <laughs> he said, hey, mate, can you get me a set like that from Ludwig? I said, well, I'll try. So I called up Ludwig, and I said, hey, look, there's this group called Led Zeppelin. I'll send you their first album. Kid's got a great foot. 
And uh, yeah, I think they're going to be big. It's an understatement of what, five decades? <laughs> You know? Yeah, they, they made it a little bit. Yeah, they made it. Yeah. So they said, okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, he wants the same set as mine. You know, and at the time, they did the cymbals, too. He said he wants the same set, and he wants the gong, you know, and wants the whole bit. So they wow. said, okay, and, and they got it for him. I have an actual picture that's going to be coming out. Uh, I'm doing a thing for Modern Drum. It's called The Legends. They have a Legends series. They do a whole magazine dedicated to different artists so okay, next cool. year is my my drum book's 50th anniversary which is a big drum book and they they publish it now and you know they've done a lot of different guys they just did kenny arnoff they did this one that one you know uh, neil pert alice van halen so next year they're doing me and we're going to have that picture in there that's great that has uh oh shit it's misty uh street and i'm turn around uh yes so it has gonna have the picture of me and john bonham like at the top part of the picture is me the bottom part is him with the same drum set oh, cool. and he's even got the mustache like i had you know? <laughs> that's cool so if you look at this quickly you think wait a minute which one's carmine yeah, then, right. then you see my full mustache and you know which one it is right yeah you know? that's cool but that's it's, cool. it's really great and then at 1969 we did another tour with them by then we were equal uh equal uh bill you know which meant one night we go on first next night they were going first you know and you know we would jam and all that but by the end of that tour robert plant and and jimmy page said to john bottom you're too busy with two bass drums take one bass drum away so when he did that that became the led zeppelin drum set that became legendary right wow that's that's a cool story so originated from from my kid you know it's just you know and, and a lot of times i wasn't able to talk about that a few years ago because people would think that you know i'm, I'm me going out I'm, I'm just telling the truth well, what happened well you've got you know? a you've got a list of these guys it's, it's it's hard to not have an ego i guess i mean but you not a not in a bad way but when you've got all these guys like neil pert and tommy lee and john bonham and roger taylor and all these guys do you ever look at that you know, it's like, you know, you can look at all the stuff that they did and go, you know, I had an influence on them. So, oh, yeah. you know, people can credit you for that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I, showed a friend of mine a picture of my big drum set with the gong, but it wasn't on that big stand. It was, it was a big gong, but it was next to me on a smaller stand. And actually, John Bonham was the first one that Pasty gave that big stand to. I was the second one. But then, but the gong was, I was the first one to have a gong, oh, you wow. know. And so it was vanilla fudge. It was, yeah. you know, my, my drums were like the orchestra. I had right. gongs, I had chimes, I had kettle drums, you know. And, uh, you know, and then I looked at all the, all the drummers that came after me. You know, Alex Van Halen setting his gong on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, John Bonham with the gong. That's right. And, and uh Roger Taylor with the gong. Everybody had a gong. Right. Carl Palmer had two gongs. You know? <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it it, it feels good to, to know that. But, you know, that that and, uh, you know, 15 cents won't, won't get you on the train. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's just... Yeah, I mean, it feels good. Right, right now, I'm so used to it. I, you know, my I've been doing this all my life. Yeah. You know? I mean, this has been my life 
since 1967, 55 years, 50, yeah, more than that, 52 years, 53 years, whatever it is, Four, 60, 54 years, do, do the math. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a long, that's a lifetime, you know, and I, I'm so used to it, I can't imagine life not like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What you would know? you do if you weren't playing drums? I don't know. <laughs> You've been doing it so long, you wouldn't know what to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I do. I mean, I like doing. I, I do real estate on the side. I really like real estate. I've always liked real estate. My old manager is a mafia guy in uh, New York. Used to say, "When you got money, buy real estate. People got to live somewhere. That's, that's the only place. It's the only place that's secure with your money." That's right. That's that's a good point. I said, "Oh, okay." That's Interesting. That's 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 true. So I so I bought real estate, and I you know always had some sort of real estate, and, uh, and then I I took those courses, you know, uh, on books and tapes you see on TV, yeah. buy houses with no money down. Right. I did all that, and then I, I never bought anything. And finally, I heard on the radio, buy houses in Memphis with no money down. So I bought one. Okay. Right. And then I bought two, and then I bought and I got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. So, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I like, I like it. I have a, a property in Florida here. Uh, it's about six miles from where I live. I, I've been here a year and a half. I've been there once. You know, so yeah, management people deal with a lot. You know. Yeah, I imagine they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so when, whenever you're were transitioning, like from Vanilla Fudge to Rod Stewart, how did you change your style as far as playing, or did you? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really change my style. I mean, it went from from Vanilla Fudge to Cactus. It changed it a little bit, but if you hear a song like "Need Love" by Vanilla Fudge, mm. it's similar to like Parchment Farm, you know, by Cactus. Okay. And you know, different. You know, Cactus was a blues rock band, but we we also did you know blues like R and B. You know, like Can't Judge a Book, Evil. They were like R and B the way we did. It, you know. And then with BBA, you know, Jeff was an R&B freak. He loved R&B, you know. Right. So our songs like Superstition was R&B based, and it was written for Jeff Beck. And Stevie Wonder was not supposed to release that. Oh, really? That was supposed to be a song that Jeff was supposed to release. And the first release was supposed to be with BBA. And if you listen to the lyrics on BBA, it's a little different than Stevie Wonder's. And the arrangement's totally different because we did it like, like we do it. Right. You know, and people think that we did it and we, and we covered Stevie Wonder's version. We didn't. <laughs> we, <laughs> you just did your version. The song was written for Jeff, <laughs> See song. you know, by Stevie. Yeah. And, and we, we did it, you know, as we felt we wanted to do it, where he did the demo for Jeff sounding like the way it sounded on Stevie's record, you know. Right. So, so when we did it, we did it with a trio. We made it sound more like a trio guitar-oriented record, guitar, bass, and drums. The drums were very loud on that one too. Right. And Tim's bass was awesome. Me and Tim sang the song. Tim sang lead. I did the backgrounds. You know. Right. And uh, you know, and then we went uh, after BBA. I had a quick stint with a group called KGB with Mike Bluefield. And that was an L.A. band. That's when I learned to play more for songs rather than jamming, you know. And then right. from there, I went to Rod, 
which was about songs and a great voice. But he let me play and get my, I started developing this new drum sound with Andy Johns that I continue through the rest of my career, including now. Right. The way I the way I mic up my drums in, in my studio that I use for Energy Overload album was the Andy Johns technique, you know, that I learned when I was at Rod, and uh, it was awesome. You know, we had had a great time with Andy, learn how to do this this uh, drum sound and stuff. And but then with Rod, you know, I mean, look, listen to Hot Legs. There's some a lot of drum fills on there, and yeah. a big drum sound. Right. You know. So he let me get a, get on when I when we would play live, the first time he did this, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He came up to me and he pointed to his teeth. And I, after the show, I said, Rod, what are you doing? What is that? He goes, that means too many drum fills, too many fill-ins. Oh, fill okay. Fill-ins, like teeth, yeah, fill-ins, teeth. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. All right, so, wow. so when he would come up on, on the stage and do that to me, I would calm down, you know. But he, but he, when he you know, said, you know, okay, if you want to do this, uh, it's great. You can just play like you did in Cactus because uh, he loved Cactus. We we did a lot of shows with with, uh, with Cactus with the Faces, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we did a lot of those shows, and what we did was, you know, we played good. We did play good. You know, so then. Uh, uh, hold on, I think, oh, here it is. Uh, okay, I'm here. Okay. Now I go get my usual bagel and a cup of coffee. And I'm good. Hey, and, I, and I'm early. Hey. Yeah, so so anyway, so he's a play like he did in Cactus. And uh, you know what else is weird about the Rod thing is, you know, my friend Sandy Gennaro auditioned for him, and he didn't get it. <laughs> I saw Fran, Fran, Sandy on the street. I said, Sandy, so what's going on? He told me I just auditioned for Rod. I didn't get it. He goes, you should call him. I said, well, who did you give me the number? He gave me the number. It was this guy, Pete Buckland. I know Pete Buckland very well because we did like 45 shows with Cactus and the Faces. And Pete was the tour manager. And we, we used to wreck hotels and, and party with lots of women, you know, with that tour. So I knew him really well. Right. So I called him up. And I said, hey, Pete, Rod's looking for a drummer. You don't give me a call. He says, oh, man, you're always busy. I said, I'm not busy. I'd love to play with Rod. I, you know, I love Rod, you know. So he said, well, let me call Rod. He's in England. So he calls Rod. And Rod says, well, tell Carmine to, to give him my address. Tell him to go to my house. The band is there rehearsing. Have Carmine go check them out. Isn't that funny? It's the switch. <laughs> so I went to check the band out. Wow. See if I liked it. Oh, wow. And yeah, so then... then I went and checked it out. I knew a couple of the guys in the band. You know, I knew uh, Phil Chen and I knew Jim Cregan from England, you know, when I was at BBA. Right. And uh, so I played with those guys and I said, wow, this sounds good. I like it, you know? And I was playing the way I play, you know? And uh, and then Rod came back and then Rod played with us. And he said, look, just play the way you did in Cactus. He said, that will be great. He says, I know, I know you'll, uh, you know, I'll give you a drum solo. I know you've got a lot of fans out there. And uh, I'll use your drum solo to change my clothes and dry my hair and everything. And I know when I come back, you're going to have the audience riled up with your solo. I said, okay, cool. Wow. So, so, so we, had a, we always had a good time. I, mean, I remember one time Rod got in a limo in Hawaii. It was me and him. He gets in the limo and he's kidding around with me. He says, 
Ah, oh, it's a drag being a legend. You know, he said to me, I said, yeah, I know what you mean. He goes, he goes you know what? You're the only one in this band that could say that beside me. Yeah. So he slapped me five. I said, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a pretty good relationship with Rod. I'm, I'm yeah. Guess, yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, if you read my book, yeah. Rod wrote the forward to the book. That's awesome. Yeah, and, he's, and he says in there, he goes, I fired Tom. I, he says, fuck knows why. You know, so, so I, I mean, I know why they were doing a lot of, a lot of cocaine, drinking. Oh yeah. And Jim Cregan, the other guitar player, who, because Rod fired the whole band once and kept me, and we put a new band together. And I suggested we bring Jim back because he knew all the chord changes, all the songs live. It would be a lot easier to have somebody that knew that. You know, being a drummer, I didn't know all that stuff. Yeah. So we brought him back, and he ended up. And he ended up, you know, stabbing me in the back, let's put it that way. Yeah. And and got me out. First, he got me out of the co-production on that last album, Tonight I'm Yours. And then he then he got me out of the band, oh. you know. So that's why Rod says, I, I don't know why I fired him, you know. So is it... we, had a, we had a great relationship. That's I mean, good. I went to a 70th birthday party. He invited me, you know, we went and... You know, there was not a lot of people, or maybe 50 people. He goes, I, I really consider you friends. And, and I met him down here in Florida. We went out for a drink uh, about a month ago. You yeah. know, I was going to try and go see him in Vegas, but uh, it didn't work out. Yeah, he's got a new album out, right? Or coming, I, out, I, coming out, I think. Yeah, I think he does. But, you know, he, I said to him, man, you should get the old band together and do an album. Because these albums... He, he, yeah, I love Rod's voice. I mean, he's got he's the best yes. voice. And when we were with him, he was the best front man ever. Mm. Period. Mm. There's nobody like him. You know? Mm. Now, you know, as he's older, it's like me, my voice is, you got to tune down, blah, blah, blah. But, but he still has a great voice. You know? He's still a great personality. And But, but the records he makes are very light. Yeah. Very, very uh, studio sounding. They don't. Right. They don't, not, they don't have that sound. Yeah. They don't have the sound like when, when we played with them. We had a sound. The band and Rod together. We had a sound. That's right. And we were always compared to the Rolling Stones. You know. So is that going to be on your list? Maybe one day to get those guys together, well, Rod and. I mean, I talked to him. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll. You know, I did say I'd like to come see you in Vegas. I want to play sexy and hot legs with you at least. Oh, yeah. You know, I said, he said, "Yeah, okay." You know, then you know, but it's really bad with emails. You know, I don't have a cell phone. I just have the home numbers. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you know, I never know where he is. It's either in London, Florida, or L.A. Right. You know, but so I said I'll email you if you if it's so you want me to do it, we'll do it. But I was going to come before my daughters get married next week. So I was going to go to Vegas on the way, but I have, didn't hear back from him. And I had to make the reservation for my daughter's wedding. So I just went to California. Yeah. Right. So, so she's getting married next Saturday, week from Saturday. All right. Well, great. Congratulations she, to her. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She's uh, 32 years old and finally getting married. Yeah. But she's been living with the guy for five years anyway. So. Okay. Yeah. The only difference is the, the amount of money we're paying for the wedding. <laughs> it's not going to be cheap, is it? No. <laughs> it's not cheap. That's why I got to go back to work now. There you go. You get a few gigs uh, under your belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, talking about reunions, though, I know you were in King Cobra and Blue Murder. Or have you yeah. had, have you thought about getting back those guys and doing some stuff? Well, we're doing a new King Cobra record as as we speak. Cool. Uh, for Cleopatra, but we don't have Mick and Dave in it. Mick and Dave didn't want to do it. They they both felt that it's too much work that you don't get any satisfaction with sales today. Mm. You know, True. I, I I tried to say, right, you'll make a little money. It's not a lot of money, and you keep the legend going and keep creating music. That's what you do. Right. You know, that's, that's, what, what, that's what I'm doing. I mean, all the money, all the big money was, that I, my career has been made. Yeah. And I've invested. And I've got possessions. I got this and that. You know, invest in real estate. You know, so so I'm just doing enough for fun, having a good time. Same thing with Paul Shortino and and uh, Johnny Rod. He, he don't care about the money. Right. So we got Carlos Cavazzo, who don't care about the money, uh, from Quiet Riot playing guitar, cool. and we got a Rowan Rowan Robertson to play with Dio. So cool. so we put together a little super group, you know. And at Blue Murder, I don't know if John Sykes goes out as John Sykes and does a historical tour he wanted to do. Maybe when he's done with that, maybe he'll call me and Tony and say. Let's go out and do Blue Murder because he told me once he does that, he'll then maybe we can do Blue Murder after that. That's fine, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't want to go out as Blue Murder and do like a history of John Sykes tour. Right. You know, I said if that matter, you know, let's do my history. We got you know a lot more groups, bigger groups to come from. You know, I mean, White Snake was pretty big, but Rod Stewart was he easily matched that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and then we had Vanilla Fudge and Cactus and BBA and and uh, King Cobra and all that, you know. I just didn't want to do a historical tour. I mean, I just thought we should do a Blue Murder tour. Right. Blue Murder, like we did originally, we did one song from John, one song from me, one song from Tony. We did Hot Legs from me, Still the Night from John, and we did uh, a firm song from Tony, you know. And that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Everybody so so John it. said, so he said he agreed. He said, so he's going to hopefully do his own thing. You know, yeah. and and when he's done with his own thing, then maybe we'll do a Blue Murder thing. But as of now, there's nothing on the table. Right. Well, we're going to do some King Cobra shows next year, just for fun. Yeah. You know. That's what it's all about. Yeah. But I love playing the music. You know, we we did Sweden Rock Festival a few years ago, a few other dates in Europe, and the crowds were packed and people loved it. You know, we never did anything in America, so I said, well, let's do some shows in America. You know. Yeah. And you know, we got two Frontiers records, and we got a Cleopatra record coming out, and and we got the two original records and the and the King Cobra three I did on my own label and Lost Years and all this, all these songs we can pick from. You know, right? It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Um. Well, I was I don't want to keep you or anything, but uh, yeah, but I, yeah. I appreciate you. You're good. If you're good, I'm good. Yeah, I, I appreciate you chatting with me, and I'm going to tell everybody about this energy overload. That yeah, it that. rocks, it, man. <laughs> yeah, it does rock. And tell them about the vanilla fudge. Stop in the name of love. Yes, that's so cool. And, uh, man. So cool. So good. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you for, brother. for calling in, man. Have a good day. No problem, man. I'll All right, man. Soon. All right. Ciao. Bye. 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 Hey, this is Gary here. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to hear more interviews and more updates about real music, 
go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe today. And if you'd like to hear more, keep it right here. i got some more interviews coming up very soon. And if you'd like to help me out and support this channel, you can click on the support button and you can donate whatever amount that you feel like and it would help me out. I appreciate it so much. Thanks to all the ones that have been given in the past. It means a lot to me and it's keep, keeping me going. So thanks a lot. Hey, until next time, everybody, whatever you do, keep the music real. Thank you.